0: Thanks to Crime Malt, this is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News. And as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, and sometimes... uh, <laughs> uh like, mate. Roomy. Well, <laughs> uh, da- 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 yeah. oh, there you go, I, I, there I, go I,
1: Lockie. Perfect opportunity for some odd couple intro music behind Matt now. I,
0: I, I, was, I, I was going to say... Uh, Walter Mattow out to my uh, Tony Randall but I wasn't sure whether you would cavil with that prop so but yes yes you have just come off uh, two weeks uh, being my flatmate and uh, other half to my odd couple and
1: I should point out really we neither of us were really the like the dodgy um grouch um you know messy one to be fair like oh, I, I I kept your daughter's room nice and clean I, I left it in as good a condition as I found it. Uh, wa- to what? Put my washing out. No, I didn't. I forgot
0: to let you know that. I you know. Oh, no, I, I saw that, and you looked. Uh, you, you fit into the little princess bed quite nicely as well. Very <laughs> nice. kind of go, you know, <laughs> diagonally across, but, we <laughs> so no, but, but from, look, I made it. So Apart look, for to listeners say, who sorry, I was just going to say for God, listeners who may oh, be wondering God. what's going on, you've just spent two weeks up here. Regular listeners will know that we do the exhibition together, and you've just spent two weeks uh, as my flatmate as we uh, have survived the awesome ordeal that is uh, getting through 10 days at the Brisbane show.
1: Exactly. And we probably should throw in just a quick apology to regular listeners as well uh, for our lack of regularity for that week because despite the fact that we were uh, literally living with each other's hands in each other's pockets, we um, didn't get a chance to uh, record an intro and an outro to a great interview that we've got, but we're doing it now. So it's, we're...
0: It, it's fair to say that at the end of the uh, well, 12 days, it, it ends up being that we're dragging our asses um to to do anything so uh yeah um just find
1: it it's a lot of fun but yeah it's long days on your feet and the last thing you want to do is kind of set up technology at the end of it um it's just kind of planning for the next day uh you know what what are the numbers going to be like have we got enough cups you know um, we've got staff at the right time and all those sorts of variables and then of course the good. Burgers of of Brisbane and surrounds will then throw our plans into complete disarray anyway by turning up at a different time or on a different day. They all end up getting there, but no, no. Uh, this is our fourth uh, echo that we've done, and of all of them, I don't think any day kind of matches up to another one quite the same, does it?
0: No, no. The, the ECA is unlike any other event, but it's a great event, and uh, you know we, we get to get out, and it still prof amazes me that whilst. Over the four years we've been doing it, we have seen a fairly dramatic change in craft beer and even people's awareness of um, craft beer around them. Um, I, I, I yeah. even had a Forky um, who was unloading some pallets uh, on, on the first day and I you know, thanked him by slinging him a couple of cans of uh, Bolter. And uh, he said, oh, mate, what's this like? I don't really like those hoppy pale ales. <laughs> this was a bloke, to, to be completely stereotypical, this was a bloke uh, who, I, you know, he was a young bloke, um, he didn't look like the sort of bloke that hangs out at the hipster uh, craft beer bars, um, and yet he knew enough to say, you know, VB, when I asked him what he what he drank, he said VB, and yet he knew enough to know that, you know, the element of craft beer that he didn't like were these really hot the forward, uh, aggressively hot beers, and that's a big change. But that said, we're still getting a lot of people rocking up and uh, their favourite beers are, you know, a Blonde or a Great Northern or those sorts of things, and getting into uh, craft beer is... is is a big step for them. So it's a fantastic event to be part of. Yeah, and it's
1: it really is like kind of cutting a tree in half and counting the rings. The, 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 you, you, we've seen the growth uh, from year one. Every year we always get somebody coming up going, oh, it's craft beer, eh? What's that uh, homebrew or something, is it? Um, far fewer this year. And the other thing too that I think a lot of breweries can take note of is brand recognition is improving a lot. So a lot of people pointed to, I know that, I'll have that. You go well, Hang on, they actually do four core beers. This is perhaps not their most traditional, or the most usual. Or you'd pour it, and they go, Oh, well, hang on, that's dark." Assuming that you know, seeing that that brand, they uh, or that you know, the the business logo, they associated with a brand rather than you know, or a, a style of beer rather than um, you know, the top of the of the decision tree, and then the you know the styles and the names sort of underneath it. So lots of growth, and I, I think you know we should pat ourselves on the back. Um, to an extent for that because the other thing that I really noticed this year was that the great number of people because this this is the first year of – so the last three years we'd been in the same spot. This was the first time we'd moved – and we'd only moved 20 metres but we were kind of around the corner from where we were so a lot of people sort of come up, oh, geez, I panicked, mate. I came up, I thought, oh, you're not here this year uh, because I went to where you were last year. So we're we're obviously, I guess, giving people – a destination within the Woolworths Fresh Fresh Food Pavilion as well.
0: Well, yeah, and, and I'll just go back to that brand recognition thing because that in itself is one of the most fascinating elements that I see. Because you, you're right, some people come up and they maybe have tried a you know Four Pines Kolsch, and they recognise that, and they think you know that it's just like asking for a four X, and that the four X is going to be the same. But they're it's actually, always going to
1: come out the same, yeah. yeah
0: but they're they're uh, ordering a pale instead of the Kolsch, for example. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I was constantly amazed at how many people walked past, uh, we, we the stone and wood van was there, and all it said was stone and wood. It didn't say craft beer, it didn't say anything else, um, and they would walk past at a wary distance, lest that they'd be dragged into the Spruca, um, you know, yeah, vortex, trapping, yeah. into the net. Um, and they'd walk back and you could sort of see them looking all around, trying to find out, okay, there's a caravan here, it's got stone and wood on. What is Stonewood selling? Yeah, what? Byron Bay. Yeah, what, because I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, as I walk around this pavilion that's got people selling pots and pans and beef jerky and, uh, you know, butchers and all sorts of different things, they're looking at this van trying to work out exactly where Stone and Wood from Byron Bay fits in, what they're selling, and do they want some. Um, and, you know, when a brand like Stone & Wood just doesn't even uh, cut through that they know that it's craft beer, let alone whether they want it or not. It, it shows, you know, that the echo really does op- operate outside of that craft beer bubble.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it really, it it highlights just uh, how small our 3% is and how large the 97% and, and, and how much opportunity that presents to any brewer who wants to, I guess... I think outside of the, the craft beer bubble, though you know, don't sing to the choir. Maybe we do need to start, um, dare I say it, you know, producing, you know, if somebody could come up with a session lager and a, and a session ale uh, specifically designed at, you know, I don't want to say gateway or entry no, label, but we'll, we'll see. and denigrate that. But the, but the reality is there are plenty of people for whom Four Pines Kolsch was a challenging beer. So I'll I'll just leave you with that.
0: But at the same time, there are a whole lot of people who came up and said that they drank Great Northern or Han Super Dry and that style of beer and left. Really wrapping their lips around a Bolter XPA. Yeah, yeah uh, and yeah. you know, so uh, it, it it it's one of those things that you know. You, on one hand, you can sort of say, well, you need to you, you you can't pitch it at the craft beer crowd. But at the same time, I think it's very easy to underestimate that people do like flavour, and if it's a you know a, a lovely flavour wrapped up in a package like something like Bolter, um, Feral Hop Hog was another one that people were quite willing to to have a crack at. Um, you know, people aren't scared of flavour. Um, whilst you're going to be fishing in a much uh, bigger barrel. Um, if, if you are targeting the entry-level beers, there's certainly plenty of niche for really well-made um, and crafted beers with that genuine flavour. So, But anyway, Prof, uh, it, it was a great uh, 12 weeks. Thank you, and thank you very much to Mrs Pilsner and the little Pilsners for uh, letting me have you for, for that period.
1: Yeah, um, they were... Uh very grateful to have me back.
0: It's fair to say. Yes, yes. So, and our listeners, we do apologise for missing that week. But as we as it probably sounds, though, we've been very busy. There was a lot of news that we that was reported on. Uh, fortunately, the website was kept ticking over by our awesome editor, James Atkinson. Uh, well done, well done, James. Well done. Um, now, where, where where do we start? Um, actually, before you uh, headed up here, you did file a story looking at your own health. Um, prof, and looking at beer and health and you were undertaking a bit of a challenge and that was filed and I did notice that you were you know, your beer consumption was down. Um, there were a whole lot of strange noises coming from the bedroom with the door shut and uh, you were eating very well. Do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about what that was about?
1: Yeah, that probably deserves just a little bit of uh, <laughs> clarity around it, uh, lest uh, people get the wrong idea about uh, what I do uh, while I'm at the Echo with you. Um, yeah, I... I thought long and hard about, you know, do I really want to uh, this is something I really wanted to do and it was a, a bit of a health kick and it was realizing that uh since I you know turned a, a certain milestone age um I the the brain if you like or your, your your personality kind of still assumes that you can do a lot of the things that you used to do and and the body will will respond accordingly. Um, once you realize that it doesn't, before you look, before you know it, you're sort of, as I say, you know, six foot one and probably should be around the, I guess, I don't know, you know, between 70, you know, high 70s and maybe 80 kilos. Uh, I was pushing 90 and just not feeling uh, as fit as I used to. Um, just assuming I oh, am, yeah, maybe I'm just getting old. So yeah, I I I thought long and hard, and I thought, well, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to put it right out there, and and I guess do it a little bit publicly. uh, Partly because I thought that would uh, motivate me to 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 stick fat to the excuse the pun uh, to to a plan, Uh, but also I think to there was there was an underlying desire to I guess inspire other blokes who were perhaps in the same boat, and uh, the the reason I, I chose this particular. Program was that I am a self-confessed skeptic when it comes to, uh, you know, the brand new exercise fad or the diet plan or the you know home delivered this and that and the expensive gym memberships and the high-tech um, uh, home gym equipment that is designed to fold up because it's going to end up under your bed after the first month. Um, but this one particularly caught my eye because of the, the one, the one simple tagline, which was lose the beer gut without losing all the beers. So I thought, well, if that, if that's not singing to me, then I don't know what is. So I thought I'd give it a go. And not only would I give it a go, but I would, uh, you know, win, lose or draw. I would, uh, I guess open my diary. I'd, I'd keep a diary and then, um, present that on a weekly basis to the, uh, to the good readers of, um, of bruise news and so it's it started and so my intro was just basically what inspired me to do it what I didn't want to have to do um, because you and I both know Matt the first thing that most programs uh, do is they denigrate and demonize uh, beer particularly um, you know the beer belly the beer gut all that kind of thing and you know that's the first thing you're gonna to have to give up if you if you want to see any sort of results so this one particularly to me I guess um, spoke to me because it said, well, yeah, maybe there's a way that you can—you don't have to sort of live the life of a monk or uh, a Jean-Claude Van Damme or uh, a combination of the two. And so wish me luck. We'll see how it goes. I've already had a lot of um, positive feedback from a lot of viewers and listeners and readers who were wishing me well. Um, and who knows, maybe this is a, a 10-week program and this is the third uh, incarnation of it. There's another one that starts um, – Towards the end of September, so maybe if we do it again, we might even be able to get some Bruise News listeners. You we know, get a, maybe Team Bruges News and see if we can uh, knock some kilos off um, in a, in a,
0: as a group. I'll definitely be in that. Well, mate, good luck and uh, congratulations. And I, I did see that you know, ten days at the show is a very hard time when you're surrounded by two-dollar cheese toasties, and you know it, it's very hard trying to find the time to eat well. And uh, you showed yeah. a lot of discipline in, in doing that. So yeah, I'm very keen to see the results and uh, to, to read about it.
1: Yeah, thanks,
0: mate. Mate, in other news, um, now a good friend, well, actually I probably shouldn't say a good friend, but a person who's well known to readers of uh, Australian Brewers News, um, Ari Mervis, uh, who I once penned an open letter to uh, and never heard back, um, so it was an unrequited love. Um, Ari Mervis is leaving CUB um, as part of Megabrew, the AB InBev, uh, SAB Miller, uh, giant merger that will see uh, SAB Miller uh, taken over uh, and therefore CUB Ari Mervis is being moved on uh, and AB InBev are bringing their men in to town. Um, do you reckon do you reckon they um, like
1: did he get a you know a pat on the back and a slab slab of and dry his way out or because <laughs> I just I noticed in the intro you, you've, at first you said he was leaving and then you said he was being moved on which which do you think perhaps it's closer to Well, because let's be fair, AB and Bev have a very different corporate mindset, I think, towards beer and particularly towards uh, craft beer, as their recent acquisitions in the US um, are are indicating. Whereas Sab Miller had a very different kind of corporate mindset in terms of looking after their core brands rather than dabbling at the edges.
0: Well, see that—that's we could probably do a whole podcast with a whole range of people talking about this. SAB A- Miller did come in and really revitalise the way that um, CUB made their beer. You know, they really looked at production quality. Uh, the information that I get is that you know, CUB had been looking at you know cost cutting and you know not necessarily looking at inherent beer quality as much as cost cutting uh, for some time. Um, and that that changed with uh, very rigorous production processes that everyone talked about. I st- still don't think they got their head around uh, craft beer. Um, I hear that uh, you know, the talk overseas seems to be that AB InBev is very much about process and costs and you know, driving. You know that they're accountants, um, although it yeah. doesn't. It, it, it seems to be a different times type of accountancy. It doesn't seem to be about you know cost cutting um, in terms of the beer quality. It does seem to be about you know stripping fat um, elsewhere in the business. And working,
1: working smarter, not harder.
0: Is, well, that's I think the way that the boffins like to, to say it, whether or not that actually means anything in real life. But yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, and that segues nicely into another story uh, that we saw that Beer Deluxe, James had a good get. Um, the Beer Deluxe uh, is both expanding. Um, the Dixon Hospitality Group is both expanding the Beer Deluxe chain to a serious chain now. And they're also uh, giving CUB the punt. Um, anyone that's been to B Deluxe in Fed Square uh, will recognise the Carlton Draft tanks. Um, they had a very strong allegiance uh, to Carlton Draft. It wasn't one that translated into complete tap takeover or anything like that, but they obviously did have a contract there, and that's gone. One of the things that they cited was Lion has much better craft beer chops. If they're going to be a craft beer venue, they would much rather be a craft beer venue that has yeah you know, a couple of line brands rather than a couple of C U V brands prof
1: yeah, yeah and look as a as a, a regular and a melbourne local i get if for those who don't know fed square is right smack in the it's kind of the i guess it's the edge of the city but it's the geographical or the um or the, the it's the excitement population center of the city of melbourne you're right opposite uh, young and jackson's hotel diagonally opposite um, St Paul's Cathedral opposite it and, and Flinders Street Station on the other side. You are at the start of a beautiful, picturesque walk um, with three different options to get to the sports precinct, which gives you Amy Park, uh, the MCG, the Tennis Centre, High Sense Arena, all those sorts of things. Um, it's right on the Yarra. Uh, it's a very big um, traffic, you know, foot traffic sort of place, and you get a lot of corporates coming through you you can tip your lid to craft beer and they've done that beautifully over the journey but they have always offered you know what look we we get it these these other ones here are for you but we're not going to be snobby about it and say you don't have a choice if you want to have a mainstream beer we've got uh, four of i think 24 taps so there's not going to be a great change despite the wailing and gnashing of teeth uh, in some quarters um through particularly some facebook Uh, groups who are sort of, and Matt, between you and the GoPost, I suspect that a lot of the people who are, you know, standing up and chest thumping and saying, I'm never going to go there ever again, uh, don't go there anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly, Martin. And I mean, for me, it's like, it's an interesting one because, you know, just to step out of beer for a second, I remember about a decade ago or a little bit longer, um, I remember walking to Myers and... Say and seeing that they'd stripped out all their cash, you know, the men's wear didn't have a cash point that was, you know, was different from the socks and jocks, and it was different to the men's clothes. There was just like one cash point on an entire floor. So if you had bought a pair, and, of,
1: and all of them staffed,
0: yeah, well, and all of them staffed. Um, suddenly, you, you know, if you had a pair of strides that you wanted to go and pay for, you had to go in search of someone who was willing to take your money. And it just got to the stage that people would walk out because it was too frustrating. And you know, Myers isn't a cheap venue, and yet it just sort of felt. You know, the way that they merchandising, the way they were um, trying to take your money felt a little bit like Aldi. Um, and, you know, I remember noting that and, you know, I stopped uh, shopping there. Um, you know, come nine, 12 months later after those changes, suddenly the shares have crashed because I wasn't alone. Um, you know, people were feeling that way and the, there was a management shake-up and all went. And I give that example because, you know, I've been feeling for the last uh, you know, 18 months or two years that CUB has really fallen away. They've been, they, you know, they've had a couple of successes, you know, Fat Yak, um, Great Northern, are uh, some of their their growth. But you can't just have tall trees. You need, you know, the, the next level beers as well. And they just don't seem to be nurturing anything in the craft beer space. That is one of the real value generators um, for line. But it's also one of the things that bars and bottle shops um, are looking at when they form their allegiances. And I remember, you know, so, so this is the latest one, but uh, at the start of the year we saw the HEMS Group in Sydney hunted VB and there was a bit of a campaign because they went in favour of line. They thought line had a you know, better to deal with and a better range. Um, but I've been noticing for some time that even small bars, Prof, you know, we, we talk about Matilda Bay and how hard it is to find at Matilda Bay. Uh, Matilda Bay is not going to, you know, Alpha Pale Ale, Dog Bolter um, and uh, Redback aren't going to be at your pub tab type venues the way that a James Squire 150 Lashes is or a a Fat Yak probably is. But yet there are still a whole lot of those next level uh, venues that are starting to take themselves seriously with craft beer that will have on um, White Rabbit Dark Ale or will have on Little Creatures Pale Ale or, you know, even Little Creatures IPA um, that are never going to be huge volume beers but just a growing brand or even Kosciuszko, um, which is a brand that gets absolutely no love from the marketing department but is a big seller in a couple of things. CUB just doesn't have those and they just don't seem to have the the desire to form the relationships with the small venues. They are purely only about volume and craft beer will never – be a huge well wait for some time be a huge no, volume game
1: no not a not a till ticker for for somebody who's yeah you know, whose output is in the in the billions of liters Probably you know like in, by comparison to your small breweries they they really need stuff yeah and they're quite obvious about pushing the the volume stuff rather than the interesting stuff
0: and when you have this conversation internally with people from cub you know that their sale reps are actually incentivized against putting a fat yak or, you know, against putting a redback or an alpha into a venue because they don't get rewarded for it because they're such small, you know, um, they're not getting associations with the small venues and you can't measure lost opportunity on on, on your sales figures. That's Um, right. And they're not getting them into the smaller, cooler venues that might actually give them a little bit of a lift into the next tier, venues. Um, and, and their attitude is, well, you know, why would we put you know, Alpha into a venue when we know that they'll sell more uh, Peroni, for example? And they just don't seem to get that there are a whole lot of venues that don't want to be a Peroni, fat yak venue. They want to be an Alpha dog bolter venue. And it, so they're just losing all of, all of that. And you know, it, to to me, it does smack of that situation with, with Myers, where they think that they've got great manage, you know, because they've got great managers, they've got smart people, and they know a certain segment of it that they can just do things, and that there, there won't be a repercussion. And I think we are starting to see some of those pigeons coming home to roost that we've been talking about for a while. And uh, I think we are going to see more of these big venues who do want to start to dabble a little bit more seriously in a craft beer, avoiding CUB because CUB just. Not only don't they have the products, but they just don't have the people to support those products in the company because they don't really get craft beer themselves.
1: Yeah, and with AB InBev uh, coming in, um, big challenge
0: for them, and watch this space. Well, yeah, it will be interesting. So, uh, yeah, very interesting times ahead, as we like to say. Um, Feral voted... uh, Now, this is one that I don't really know what to make of. Um, Our headline was Feral voted uh, favourite craft brewery. That was because uh, you know, other um, other outlets um, went with, we were the, you know, outlet X was number one um, uh, beer blog or whatever. Um, actually, I'm not explaining this at all well. Um, there was a beer cartel had a survey. <laughs> beer cartel had a survey, um, 6,000 people responded um, and amongst the lists, uh, Feral was the number one brewery in uh, Australia. Pale Ale is Australia's most consumed style of craft beer. I think the Crafty Pint was the most read beer news
1: website. Um, I should point out too, Matt, for those two, I don't, you didn't really need a survey, I don't think, to know that most people... But, oh, look, it's nice to, to have it confirm that Pale Ale, being the the biggest and broadest and, and most accessible category of beer, would be the number one. Uh, and no surprise, really, that um, James over at the Crafty Pint has got a product that is the uh, easily the most... The most read, or the most, you know, yeah, the biggest go-to.
0: The, the biggest go-to, so absolutely. Yeah. Um, but when, when you start digging a little bit deeper, so so once you look past the obvious things that we probably didn't need a survey to to tell us, um, you know, uh, just, where you dig a little deeper. For example, 250 beers in Brisbane. A Brisbane blog was the second most read apparently beer blog, despite the fact that, and um, Darren, the uh, the owner of it. Actually, commented I believe on one of the uh, comment on one of the forums saying, "Look, I haven't posted to this for a year." So, you're sort of wondering, well, just That's how relevant? Yeah, well, you know, just how relevant are these results when uh, people are? It probably shows brand recognition. Oh yeah, I read uh, two hundred and fifty beers, even though I haven't got any, any last, news from it for the last in, twelve in, months in recent memory. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, look. Pretty much like um, the hottest one hundred, the local tap houses hottest one hundred, or the Gabs hottest one hundred craft beers every January. First couple of years, uh, as they worked through the process and sort of built it up and what it meant, probably the results weren't as valid as they're becoming. That said, Prof, we didn't um, cover it in uh, on Bruce News because you know you, you could try and interpret the results any number of ways. But Radio Brews News, apparently, Australia's most listened to podcast, according to the survey. Oh,
1: that's
0: nice. Yeah. Well, you know, we came third hey, after. Thanks for th- listening. In the, in the blogs and uh, podcast section, we came third after.
1: Oh, is, is blogs and podcasts one section, not blogs well, that, that, yeah. and then podcasts and then websites? Yeah.
0: So, it was just oh, okay. one of those things, but that's okay. Um, But the one thing that really did um, probably stand out from my point of view was uh, of all of the surveys, and I think just about – there were dozens of breweries that um, promoted the the, uh, questionnaire, um, all of the blogs and uh, um, news sites promoted it. Apparently Australian Brewers News had generated the highest response of any uh, outlet for the uh, survey, so whilst we- Okay, so
1: of the 6,000 who completed the survey, most of them did it through um, Australian Bruce News?
0: Well, not most of them. Is that but it? But we had the highest response rate of any of the sites. So, how you interpret that, I don't know. Um, you know, we've never, it, it, when you look at Bruce News, you see that it's not the flashiest looking site. We like to concentrate on the content and the things that matter um, in, in, in the content. We've never tried to be the broader scale consumer, uh, outlet, probably a little bit trade focused, more netdling and we do seem to have a very strong readership amongst brewers and people who are engaged in making, selling and with a, with a professional interest in beer uh, but we also do seem to you know have a very, very switched on and engaged readership so if anyone listening out there is a potential sponsor, Australian Brewers News is, is probably going to generate the best return for your dollar Show me the money! <laughs> is that subtle enough, prof? It's a little bit of fodder
1: there for Lockie. That, that'll keep him busy for 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. Okay, mate. Right. Now, uh, okay, so surveys. Um, That's a nice set of numbers, Matt. That is a nice set of numbers, Prof. Uh, did you see what I did there? I do see what you did there. Maybe you'd like to... I did, I did a segue. Continue that on. <laughs> uh, our interview this week um,
1: was to coincide with the census. Uh, and, well, despite the fact that we, <laughs> we got up a week and a half late... We still may beat the census um, results. So, during the Australian Craft Brewers Conference held up in Brisbane this year, uh, about three weeks ago, uh, three weeks before we recorded this interview, we thought, okay, with the census coming up, uh, one of the most, I think, um, interesting of the seminars in terms of um, eye opening and and, uh, realisations was conducted by a a few guys who talked about numbers. Uh, one of them was Grant Grant Warren, who most people will know as the head of Modus Operandi at Mona on Sydney's northern beaches, but uh, you may some may not be aware that he's also uh, on the committee of the CBIA, the Craft Beer Industry Association, and Grant's job was to present uh, results of, I guess, uh, you know, data collection and the importance of data collection in uh, giving... Us as a as an industry, some clout, uh, some lobby power, those sorts of things. When it comes to whether it's excise relief or you know legislation, that sort of thing. At the moment, we kind of we could we we could go to our local member uh, and say, you know, we're generating heaps of jobs. Oh, really? How many? Don't know. But we're producing lots of beer. How much? Don't know. Uh, because the as Grant will um, illuminate for us, uh, we're not too good yet uh at the numbers and those who were at craft Brewers conference last year will remember steve hindi uh, in his keynote address speaking about the importance to the brewers association in america of gathering and and sharing the information because uh it doesn't necessarily need to identify a brewery but having the year-on-year stats and seeing them you know in an upward incline um Kind of shows that that you know if you jump on board our train, we're we're heading in the right direction. So uh, let's talk to Grant, shall we? Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. Ellis the reason we got you on is, of course, uh, the national census is uh, is taking place as we speak, and or depending on when we actually get this up, it might have been a couple of days ago, or it'll be in a couple of days' time. We thought it w- would be a nice little link to uh, talk about numbers as they relate to. The uh, the craft beer industry in Australia, uh, and you presented at the recent Australian Craft Brewers Conference in Brisbane, and I did. You you spoke uh, very eloquently, and I think, I can, I, uh, having hosted that room, I can speak for everyone who was in the room. Uh, some of the numbers were uh, startling, to say the least. The the one I think that caught me most uh, off guard was that in in the last survey. Um, for uh, gathering data um, for for all the breweries around Australia, only twenty eight percent responded.
2: Yeah, I mean that, that 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 was part of the the talk and and you know how we get get our data here was um you know we we asked much like the Brewers Association does. we ask brewers what are they doing, you know what are you selling, how much are you making, um you know what are your expenses, et cetera, et cetera, and we asked people to fill in an anonymous survey. So, you know, not myself, not the CBIA, know who's actually answered that. And uh, what we try and do from that on a on an unidentified basis is work out what's going on in our industry. And, you know, uh, some, some groups responded better than others, but across the whole group, you know, we, we did have that 27% response rate, which carries with it, you know, when you're trying to draw inferences and, and, and make conclusions about data, it does carry with it um some estimation error when you have have that lower response rate so um we had to augment some of those um some of those responses to get a, a clearer picture of what was going on um in our industry
1: and if you can just break down for our listeners the uh the the, the main area so you've got national brewers regional brewers micro and nano
2: or small and nano is that uh, right yes correct so how how we define an, a nano brewer? Uh, the first category is anyone producing less than fifty thousand liters of beer per annum. Uh, the next category up is a, a micro brewer producing anywhere from fifty thousand to three hundred thousand liters of beer per annum. Um, then we move into the regional category, which is between three hundred thousand liters of beer and five million liters of beer. Um, and then you move into the national category, which is anyone producing over five million litres of beer per annum. Um, and you know we we sort of look at those four tiers and we say, well, how many people um, submitted? Did we submit the survey to, and how many people responded? Um, and if we break it down, we there's there's 297 breweries that we that the survey went out to. Um, we we got about, about 82 responses um, from 292 brewers. There were five that we had to sort of flick out of the data set for various reasons. Um, and basically, we, we end up with that 27% response rate. But when you break it down between, you know, the categories, nano, micro, regional and, and national, um, you, there's a pretty telling picture. Um, you know, the vast proportion of our breweries are in that that nano or micro category, and they're the ones that are typically, on average, not responding to the survey as well as, say, the regional or, or our national brewers, um, which which have very good response rates. So where all the growth and all the industry is moving in in the small category, the nano and micro, we're getting our least reliable data. So that was the, the crux of the presentation um, was, you know, there's 178-odd nano brewers, um, and we got a response rate something like four, 15% in that in that area. Similarly, microbreweries, uh, where there's I think 85 from memory, um, we got a response rate of 24%. But when you move into the bigger categories, um, you know response rates above 50% make that data much more reliable. So on the whole, across all the brewers, um, we're we're definitely heading in the right direction with a 27% response rate, but we trying to improve that to, um, you know, to, to get better data.
1: And just before we move on to some of those numbers particularly, is there, you personally, or does the CBIA as an association, uh, have a, a guess as to why the response is so low? Uh, I,
2: I think surveys in general um, are, are, are difficult. I've got my own personal views and having, you know, run MODIS and, and run this place, you, you wear a lot of hats, Um you know, an email you know might get flagged, and you go, well, "That's that's a really good cause." I'll get to that later, and then you don't actually because you're you're so bloody busy. So the 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 problem is, I think a combination of things. I don't I, I don't think it's you know brewers just being lazy or not seeing the point in answering this. I just think at the small end of the scale, you wear a lot of hats, and uh and 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 time management is is you know is a difficult thing as a small brewer.
1: And we should point out for those who were at ACBC 2015 in Melbourne last year, the keynote speaker was Steve Hindy from the Brewers Association in the US, uh, who could not stress, uh, I guess, more vehemently and, and the importance uh, of data in terms of, I guess, our arsenal, um, in terms of um, our weight that we can throw around if we want to go lobbying. You know, we're, we're all talking about how excise is, uh, is stopping us from moving forward and that sort of thing. But there's obviously no point in going to the tax office or going to the local member or, or you know getting before parliament and then saying well you know we need we need relief oh no worries okay well, well what sort of tax are you paying don't know oh, yeah. how many liters you're producing <laughs> yeah, a few not really sure
2: yeah I, I you hit the nail on the head it's the data shapes government policy and and it's as, it's as straightforward as that so if we're as a as a as an industry, want to take this forward and, and uh, be heard and have a have a louder voice from a lobbying point of view, then I think um, this sort of data is is going to be critical to um, to that effort. Mate, do you think, you know,
0: you hear all sorts of things and some brewers um, are a little bit concerned about what the data is going to be used for or who's going to have access to it, but I even heard reports of one brewer saying, oh, look, I'm not going to give it because that'll put me up into a higher, um, you know, bracket for, you know, fees for, to join the CBAA. You know, it's, it's a pretty disappointing, <laughs> it, you know, it, it really is a pretty disappointing approach um, when, when guys like that, uh, you know, you hear them saying those sorts of things.
2: Yeah, I, look, I, I think, I, I don't know what it, what the saving is, to be honest, but, you know, if you're going to save a couple of hundred bucks by um, understating your numbers, you um, you know, to, to not get bumped into a new uh, a larger membership category. Um, I, I don't know. It's kind of a bit like a bit like tax avoidance or tax evasion. Like, if, you know, why why do it if you if you if you're doing well enough to be in that category and you want to be a good brewing citizen? Then I I, I, I don't know. I haven't certainly heard any brewers say that to me. But um, I, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's on that, on average that twenty seven percent response rate does seem that you know people aren't responding but i think we've just got a little bit more work to do because we are we, we do have a very large footprint in terms of where these breweries are located around the country um and i think you know we could probably do a bit better as well in in terms of you know making people aware of the survey and, and the benefits of responding um and 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 stressing that it is um it is a process where you're not identified and, and no one can see that data. I certainly can't see when you know when we're we're pulling these stats together. I can't see which brewery is attached to which, um, and and never will be able to. So it's um I, I think we probably can do a better job with um, allaying some of those fears and and doing a better. Sales job, if you like, on uh, on some of those sort of smaller remote brewers. It, it it is a
0: fairly disappointing attitude, though, because you know you you mentioned some of the macro figures. You know, just even how big the market is and how much tax, um, you know, or how much excise they're paying. Um, during the, the the conference, I did a little bit of media, you know, promoting the craft beer industry generally. One of the figures that I wanted to really talk about was, you know, giving, uh, you know. Uh, a, a political um, message is that small brewers are very big employers, um, and if you look at the number of jobs a small brewer creates per litre of beer produced, it is multiples of what um, you know, the, the, the national brewers are with, uh, with very lean um, operations, and you know, when you're looking at getting government um, grants or government to support the growth of the industry, getting the talk, the discussion around some of those aspects of, you know, the benefits of the craft beer industry is a really powerful thing to, to sell industry support.
2: Yeah, I agree entirely. I think, um, I think it is a, it is a huge and powerful message. Um, you know, we, we spoke about what was the uh, the government's tagline in the uh, pre-election um, dogfight and, and all that you heard two words. It was, jobs and growth that was the two key words you know pervade throughout the whole pre-election campaign and you know it does go to show how how simple and important to um to government policy you know jobs and growth are and if you look at the average numbers of what we're doing as a small brewer um you're quite right you know large brewers are uh, uh, capital intensive uh, and labor efficient and when you look at the other end of the scale you know small brewers are, are, are you know not so capital intensive um, but very labor inefficient so they employ a huge number of people and on average um, across the survey you know each brewery is employing fourteen people um, which is a which is a huge number of jobs um, you know given the growth of the industry and you know you could, it puts you in a position where you can compare that to say, you know, a craft winery or a, or a distillery or something like that. And, you know, are they producing 14 jobs per, per rollout of, of, of that as well? Like it, it is a powerful message.
0: Uh, we were able to get some you know, really good um, data um, for the first time. And I, I liked the way that you'd actually gone through um, and were able to separate the breweries that, and I believe there's only one brewery that's in the, uh, or your know, one independent brewery that's grown to the large independent brewery size uh, it, it, it is my understanding but when you look at the you know the the, the medium breweries and below 3.1 percent of the beer consumed in australia comes from those breweries was my understanding of the data that came out
2: yeah so what what we did was um you know i, I think um sometimes we 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 miss the target as an industry and uh and very heavily focused on one or two key, very large craft brewers. Um, But, you know, my and the CBIA's view was that, um, you know, we need to really understand what's going on in the real end of town. Uh, And, you know, if you look by number of CBIA members um, across um, the categories, those four categories I discussed earlier, nano, micro, regional and national, um, 97% of our membership base Comes from the, the the three smallest categories, so it being nano, micro, and regional brewer. So anyone producing less than five million litres a year, a year. So you want to focus on that 97 percent, and you know people can make judgments and assumptions about the the handful of big guys at the other end of the scale, but it's not really. Um, it's not really being that beneficial to to us as a as a as a small and fast growing industry, so if you look at those first three categories nano micro and regional you you spot on we are accounting for three point one percent of the market of the total beer market and we're we're growing at thirty one percent a year, which is you know a phenomenal statistic and it it really is a good news story so uh, that's the way we looked at it um, and you know, people can make their own judgments about what's happening at the very, very large end of town. But, um, you know, that, that's the key message. Um, you know, 97% of our membership base in the CBIA is um, on average growing at, at, at around 30% a year and we account for 3.1% of the beer market. I think it's a bloody great story. And we should point out too that uh, whilst the
1: big guys are often maligned by uh, some commentators in the, in the craft beer circle, that... They're, they're still getting beer out there to people that uh, we, as that smaller percentage, may not be able to reach. And it's at least opening people's eyes to there's something out there other than uh, Heineken, Peroni, uh, Carlton Draft or two is new.
2: Hmm. That, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, when the, it's a startling statistic that 97% of our brewers, you know, round numbers, we've got 300 in this country, um, that 97% of them, small and independent uh, you know if you if you focus on anything but that number i, I think you're missing the point uh, some of the other numbers that uh, that came out,
1: um, we, we, we've discussed. But for our listeners, and also perhaps for for some of the brewers, what are the what other questions are are asked? For example, are um, I guess forecasts in um, you know are there questions in terms of you know do you intend to uh, put on more stuff? Do you intend to increase your capacity? Do you intend to uh, contract brew uh, some bottled stuff, or you know are you planning on putting in a canning line? Any anything like that?
2: I, I think that that stuff will all evolve. I mean, if we look at the Brewers Association in the States and, and anyone, I'd really encourage them to go and have a look at their website and look how easily and, and read, readily available great data is, broken all the way down to value. It's broken all the way down to, to each state throughout the US. Um, it really is a, a, you know an analyst treasure trove of stuff. Um, if, we can, if we can set that as the gold standard to say, look, over time, that's what we as an industry need to achieve. Um, you know, I think we've, we've got a pretty good base. We've, we've got a, an idea of uh, um, where the small and independent brewers are at the moment um, and what they're producing um, how many of them there are. Uh, we don't have a great, a great read, you know, to drill it down onto the state level because some of the data that we've used to, to, to get these numbers is, is federal in nature um, and doesn't identify which brewer is in, in which state. Um, so, Going back to the survey and the survey responses, I think once we we get you know a response rate say upwards of fifty percent, um, I'm just going by the law of statistics here. Any any survey where you've got three hundred people in a population and, and more than fifty percent of people by number answer the answer the questions truthfully and honestly, then you've you've got a, a, a pretty good estimation within ten percent of where um, of where your industry actually is. So um, once that survey that response rate does, does increase, um, we'll be in a position not just to discuss, you know, total macro volumes, but we'd be in a position to discuss things on a state by state level. We'd be in a position to discuss things on a value level, not just volume. Um, we all know that craft beer sells at a, at a higher price point than, than macro beer. So any, any stat that I give you is actually underestimating the value side of the equation, um, you know, if we look at the value side and we say, look, we're 3.1%, uh, you know, at the moment or in FY 2015, um, you know, you you apply a 30% price premium to that and a growth rate of 30%, which we experienced last year. And, and you know, we could very well, by value share at that small end, already be above 5% of the market.
0: Talking about – actually, I should just say, uh, Grant, is there any more that we can talk about from the um, –
2: The data? I think um, you know, really, really sort of, um, we can't really drill down much further than that. But we can sort of look at each category. I could, I could sort of go over that quite quickly. Absolutely, yeah. To listeners. Um, So, you know, if you look at the nano brewery category again, that's less than fifty thousand liters of beer a year. There's 178 brewers in that category for a for a total volume output of four million liters of beer you go down into the next category, um, the the micro brewers, annual production of between 50 and 300,000 litres. There's 84 brewers in that category producing uh, 13.7 million litres of beer per annum. And then you you go into the regional category, that's between 305 million litres of beer a year. You've got 24 brewers in that category um, producing 33 million litres of beer a year. Um, So... You know, really, really rough rule of thumb as you go from the small to the higher categories, the number of brewers falls by a third, but their volume production triples, if that makes sense. So um, you're getting, you know, much more efficient breweries coming out and producing uh, a much higher share of of that 3.1% market figure. Yeah. So I I think that's probably like the... uh, some of the, the key high-level stuff, um, you know, the growth rates experienced between those various categories does vary as well. Um, but you've got to remember that brewers, as you alluded to before, Matt, they do um, jump from categories as they get larger. So it does tend to favour the largest category that we looked at, those regional brewers. But regardless of that, you know, you look at the growth rates, you know, breweries production-wise are growing at 8% a year, um, in terms of their volumes, microbreweries 23%, regional breweries 38% against a backdrop of the total beer market falling at nearly 4% a year. It's um, Yeah, I, I think it's pretty pretty impressive results as an industry. Yeah, and
1: Grant, I think one of the other, um, just t- moving on from that, um, one of the, the more interesting figures was, for me, uh, the growth um, by state. Uh, and I think obviously, if your state is growing, it means you're either getting more non-craft drinkers uh, on board, or your your, your craft beer drinkers are, are experiencing more and 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 increasing their repertoire. Perhaps um, that obviously is handy going further. You know, the next two and three years, because I guess then the CBIA or you know, in terms of marketing and advertising and promoting beer, we can I guess channel our resources. Um, to perhaps where we're we're not getting the growth that we are in other states.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think it it helps form a, a you know a, a, some sort of equilibrium as a as a national industry um, to find out which which states are doing what and how how big they're doing it. Um, but I think you know the other um, the other important sort of high level point is you know that microbreweries are a, a huge regional employer, and and let's not forget that's the whole basis for how the wet tax came in to support the wine industry was that it was supporting regional employment and I think with better survey responses you know we'll be able to get a really good read on exactly you know where and 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 how important to regional Australia um you know small craft breweries are and I I, you know I, I know they're very important at the moment but if you're employing 14 people on average as a small craft brewer and you're doing that regionally um you know that's that's a that's a great policy-changing policy, policy changing story, I would have thought. One of the uh, stories that I often talk about
0: is, you know, if you've ever seen the uh, businesses that have trotted out our success stories, there was the Beechworth Bakery that was one of those uh, very successful, you know, turned around a small bakery and made it a major regional employer. And I'm always minded of just up the road... Um, you know we've got ben Krause and he he employs something like thirty people in uh, Beechworth now and you know it doesn't take too many uh, guys like that in an area and you you're really seeing a lot of jobs created
2: yeah absolutely um you know there is a there is a, a a cap as a as a regional brewer I would have thought to to how big your equipment can be so you're already you know I would have thought generally speaking and I, I hope I don't tread on people's toes here but Generally speaking, you are more inclined to hire more labour um, as a as a as a regional brewer than you are to invest in, you know, national size brewing machines or capital equipment, which which doesn't necessarily create a lot of jobs. In fact, it you know takes jobs away. So, I think as a regional story, um, yeah, you, you're, you're spot on. It is um, it is hugely important to regional employment. Now,
0: moving on from the. Uh Statistics uh side how are things going down at uh, modus operandi?
2: modus is going well um pleased to report we employ slightly more than the national average uh, <laughs> but uh yeah we, we, we're uh, we're busy um we're we're growing but we're we're doing that um you know in, in our way keeping everything in house um we, we we do all our own brewing we do all our own packaging um you know we're a bit finicky when it comes to you know treating of the beer and things like that so we we do do it um how how we believe it should be done for our beers um so yeah we're we're going pretty well we turned two the other day believe it or not so
0: we're still here time flies and
1: mate absolute uh, um uh, big ups to to you and the team for the cannibal uh so for those who don't (laughs) know it it is a perfect sharing size but I also understand just from, uh, you know, uh, yep. but yeah, I, I, I did hear uh, perhaps along the grapevine, um, you know, Stairs and whispers kind of thing that um, that some of the beers submitted for the awards, the recent, the, the CBIA, the craft beer awards, um, some suffered from uh, packaging issues and that uh, perhaps some of the, the canned product uh, might have a bit of an advantage. So uh, I, I think that's um uh, a, a great thing going forward because I, I, I think one of the barriers to cans is that people think that they're mainstream, um, and so a lot mm. of people are sort of. I'd love to see more, more beer go into can.
2: I, I look the the advantages to cans are pretty well documented. So ignoring ignoring those, um, I think you know, the, of all the craft beer awards that that we've won in our first two years. Um, uh, with the exception of being the draft category, obviously we've um, we've served in cannibals, um, and uh, it does it does hold up pretty well to the rigors of the transport. Um, they do they do keep beer really fresh, and I think there were a number of golds this year that um, that were also served that way. So um, yeah, I, I you know happy to uh, happy to have other brewers on board and uh, and serving their beer that way because it it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Well, mate, I
1: speak for Matt when I say that uh, you're making us both thirsty now. So that might be just as good a spot <laughs> as any to uh, to wind up. And uh, and thank you very much for uh, explaining the data to us um, in in the in this, the, the week of the, the census. So from um, the census. Lotus Operando Brewing, Grant Warren, thanks for joining us on Radio Brews News.
2: Thanks very much for having me, boys. I really appreciate it. In the
0: garden, what a garden. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Nice work, Prof. That, that was that was fascinating. You know, and, and as you said in the intro, you did think to time that uh, because it was soon after the CBIA conference, but also because it was meant to go out in Census Week when everybody's looking at figures, and uh, you know, it, it probably will beat the Census uh, out, but. The census is conducted so we can get a good head on the figures so people know where money is going and what money is needed and those sorts of things. And it is exactly the same for craft beer, as you said. So uh, no, I thought it was fascinating. It's really interesting to see one of the most commonly asked questions I'm asked in any media interview is how big the craft beer industry is. And if we don't know, we can't say. And if we do know, if we do know the number of jobs, we, we can put that in. So no, great, great get prop. And uh, yeah, I thought that was a very interesting uh, interview. And uh, Great to have Grant on talking about uh, a little bit about um, the stuff that he's doing brewing as well. Yeah, exactly. Now, Prof, uh, we're into the formalities part of the show, and the first one, Lockie, is cards and letters. No Okay. Now, uh, regular correspondent and show patron, um, Paul Pacey, has emailed. He says, "I just listened to episode 100, and I got a good chuckle from Prof dissing on MasterChef. I'm like Matt in that my kids enjoy watching the show, so I sit down with them and watch it. But the crying sends me up the wall. Cook and Sook really should be the name for the show."
1: Th- thanks, Paul. And
0: don't disagree. That, that, that copy,
1: that that autograph copy of the uh, critics' choices in the mail. Thanks, <laughs> mate. No, dad, no, no. There was no incentive whatsoever
0: for him to say that. That was unsolicited. I know that, but as 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 we've talked about, I don't disagree with those elements that you said at any you know, in any way, shape, or form. And it's just what you choose to focus on. Um, you know, we, we've all got that friend who some people love, some people hate, depending on which characteristics they choose to. Uh, to focus on and MasterChef is a bit like that. My daughter loves it. She loves me watching it with her and it's also really inspired her cooking and I forsake you know, or, or overlook all of the rest of it for that reason. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Prof, uh, you're giggling there. Um, you, you, I can tell that you're just no, thinking. No, no, okay. no, no, no. Just, just nodding off a bit. Okay. Um, Paul continues, I've got a suggestion for a standing question for your interviewees. Don't feel oh, any yeah. pressure to go with it. Don't worry, Paul, we never do. Um, but no, but we ne- whenever somebody prefaces a, a request with that, what does made, that mean? Oh no! But, I, I, but really? Case, really? Yes. How about no, I get no. on with? How about I get on? Just get on with. Go. Okay. But as someone who is looking to start a new business in the industry, I'd like to hear the answer to this question: If you had to start your business or roll again tomorrow, what would you do differently?
2: Oh,
1: oh, I like that. That's um. That's very. That's very juicy. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's an interesting um, uh, poser that we could put to. Actually, we could call them Pacey's poser. We could call it from now on it could be a regular segment. Great idea, no, Paul. No, could seriously. Like you... Every yeah, every uh, every brewer or, or whoever that we interview, we kind of finish up with with that with that one. We probably so. should, to be fair, give them a give them the heads up that you know when we invite them on and, and lock in a date, uh, just let them know that we will ask that one. Do you think or, or because well, would that be something you'd need
0: to... I think most of them listen, but, you know, I think it will be, if it's a constant, yeah, we can let them know. But I think, no, yeah, I like your name for it too, Prof uh, Pacey's Poser. We'll ask uh, ask that, and I uh, know that's a great suggestion. And listeners, if you've got any uh, guests that you would like to interview, and actually Paul finishes by saying, and yes, please, to an interview with Stuart from Voyager Craft Maltz, who we mentioned in episode 100. I had a yes. chat to him last week at the conference, I'm assuming, And what they're doing about their sustainability effort sounds fantastic. So we will get uh, Voyager on in the next couple of weeks. And also, listeners, if you have questions that you would love uh, asked, uh, please don't hesitate to uh, contact um, and let us know.
1: Yeah, uh, because also that we have a couple of patrons, I think, who uh, we we still owe a a Q&A with uh, who need to let us know who they want us to uh, get get on and, and chat with.
0: Absolutely. Well, we've got the... That, that's not an ad. Yes, it's not an ad. Well, we've got Stephen Cotty and uh, Nigel Ayling, who uh, Nigel we've posted before, and he uh, posted an acceptance of our challenge that he would interview himself. Uh, but instead, listeners, <laughs> if you want to find out a little bit more about Nigel and We Love Craft Beer, um, he has posted a, a very good video on his Facebook page talking about uh, what We Love Craft Beer is, and I... Uh, commend you to go and see that if you want to find out more about the We Love Craft Beer Facebook group and website. Um, yes, and Dermot Dowling as well. And Dermot Dowling, of course. Yes, I think
1: he, he still owes us one. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, That's true, we, we owe him one. I guess that... that any, any other cards and letters, Matt? Uh, yes. Uh, there, there are, Prof. Uh, now moving on to the comments from episode 100, uh, Barry Cranston, who is a regular uh, he's regularly mentioned by people on the show, and he's an award-winning home brewer himself. He yes, uh, form, weighed in, former
1: New South Wales champion.
0: Yes, he weighed in to episode one hundred Hope Brew House and Hobart Brewing. Uh, great informative show as always. I know you are not aimed at home brewing, but given that many craft brewers started by home brewing and many followers are home brewing, it might be of interest to look at some of the home brewing industry. The real good bloke and innovator John Preston at Crape and Grain would be an excellent person to interview. Also, the ANHC in Adelaide in October might be of interest. Just a couple of ideas and feel free to ignore. Um, no,
1: thank you, Barry. And uh, not only not ignored, but I caught up with John, uh, had breakfast with John actually during the, the uh, on the last morning after the Craft Brewers Conference um, and I've got him to shoot me some stuff on the Home Brewers Conference in Adelaide and we have locked him in as a guest, just need to... Uh, work out the the timing. Yep. So, Perfect. Well done, Barry.
0: Well done, Barry. And uh, thank you for that. And Keith, the beer guy, who is Keith Grice, uh from Hunter Hunter Valley. That's right. Hunter, I was thinking of Col. Oh, hun- yeah, Hunter, uh, Hunter Hunter Valley Beer Brewing. Co- Hunter Brewing. No, it's Hunter Valley yeah. Beer Co. Is it Hunter Beer Co. Hunter Beer Co. Beer Co. Yeah. Um, commented. Uh, now we had spoken to Matt Hogan um, from Hope Brewhouse in the wake of his win as the champion small brewery and apparently I opened the introduction with Matt surprised the entire brewing community. Keith weighed in and said those of us, uh, he must disagree with my introduction, those of us who have, known, who have been enjoying Matt's beers since Hope Brew House kicked off have known that it was only a matter of time before his trophy cabinet started to fill. From his very first brew, his ability to put together a recipe and attention to process have been evident. I've taken much pleasure in sending customers his way. Along with Lovedale, around the corner from Hope, visitors to wine country in the Hunter have many great beers to choose from. Those of us who are lucky, who are local, are lucky. We don't have to choose; we can enjoy them all. Um, and he finishes with the winking emoticon to let me know that. And uh, yes, no. So thanks for weighing in. Uh, and and it's great that your little secret, the little secret you guys have been inviting, uh, in. Uh, uh, it of, to yourself. No, the, yeah, that you've been enjoying, not inviting. Um, I is now starting to spread. So, uh, and I, keeps, would,
1: I would still argue, just on a dictionary, any dic- dictionary defin- definition of surprise, I think uh, pulling a major trophy and a category trophy without uh, winning a major category trophy in your first
0: effort out is a surprise. And looking at Matt's face, I, I, I don't think he disagreed with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, you know, Keith, and uh, actually, we probably need to do a swing through the Hunter together. Um, because Keith's no mean brewer himself. Um, we also no, do course. have uh, Matt, uh, Michael Capaldo, um, who's added a lot of trophies to his uh, case recently. And uh, yeah, we might see I, if we can get a shot, if we can get some uh, sponsorship dollars on, or maybe even some are you thinking, patronage uh, might be able to help us uh, leverage. a, a trip are, to the you, are you thinking of a, a
1: sideways-esque, um, you know, perhaps a, a live cross from you know from wine country uh, where we go around and except we do it in in beer form i think
0: so i think so all right so uh but actually that's a speaking of needing money to do what we do that's a good time to talk about our uh, our patronage program uh through patreon um it's in the show notes listeners if you do like what we do and you wouldn't mind uh, kicking in four or five bucks a month or even ten bucks a month um to help us to the cost and uh, maybe put some uh, beer in Prof's pocket, um, you can jump on and just pledge. Um, you can make a single one-off pledge or you can make a recurring pledge um, just to uh, help us out. Um, and in return, for people who uh, commit $10 a month, they become executive producers and you do get to name a guest that you would like to have on. And what's more, you get to actually come on and ask questions of that guest. So listeners, uh, is. If you like what we do and you'd like to see us keep doing it, um, you can jump on. Now, Prof, another thing that listeners can do, if they'd like to support us, but the other thing that you can do uh, is we, we've we never been once for merch, Prof. Everyone else seems to jump on the merch bandwagon. I know that you have an amazing collection of brewery T-shirts that you are like to wear. I don't, um, as we've discussed on the program before. But finally, I've relented and thought, well, we will have some merch in some form, and in uh, true Australian Brewers style. Um, whereas you might see the malt, water, hops and yeast that uh, Wood did, uh, we've taken a little bit of a scance look at some of the brewing styles and we have a t-shirt that says hops and brett and novelty and hype in that same style. You can jump on and buy one of those or even uh, we've, we've got one that if you didn't want to be so negative you can just say quality, consistency, balance and style if that's what you want to celebrate uh but you can just jump on the facebook page on sorry on our home page and you'll see that there is a link to wear us out and you can buy some australian brews News merch that we get a small percentage of the dollars and you can wear us out uh now let me see what else is there prof uh there's an itunes a review we have had a a recent review from barry cranston uh, Barry's given us a five-star rating, always provides great in-depth information about current trends and happenings in the craft beer and mainstream beer industries, always done in a very entertaining manner, a must-listen program for anyone interested in Australian beer and events. So, Barry, thank you for that. I've actually forgotten. Thank the, you. That's very but, yeah. nice. Thank you, Barry. Um, mate, I think that's – we, we, we thanked our sponsors, Crymalt, 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 and uh, we've run – Brutepec, You know, they, they get their little uh, sting. Uh, I don't think there's anything too much. Have you got anyone lined up for us next week yet, Prof? Not as yet.
1: No, it's just uh, I, I, I'll, we'll start following that up and, uh,
0: and locking them in. Well, I think Voyager and uh, John Preston are two great leads, so hopefully we can uh, get them on. Um, otherwise, Prof, it, you know, thank you once again. Thank you to family for sharing. And, uh, mate, thank you for uh, putting together another great podcast. My pleasure. Look forward to chatting to you next week.
1: We're out.